Exurgat Deus dissipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derunt eum a face eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I've got the transcript from a video message of His Holiness Pope Francis to mark the second International Day of Human Fraternity. So, I hope you have your air sickness bags because after having given, having given this a quick glance, it's going to definitely probably make you ill. <clears throat> this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangelo, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidiaus diabolias do praesidium. Imperatili deus supplicas de precamur, tiuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos, qui ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Cor Iesus Sacratissimum miserere nobis, mater dolorosa ora pro nobis, speculum justitiae ora pro nobis. Sancti Joseph, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facium tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculato Conceptio Est, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> From the letter, or the message. Dear brothers and sisters, Before all else, allow me to greet with affection and esteem the Grand Imam Ahmed Al-Tayeb, with whom exactly three years ago in Abu Dhabi, I signed the document on human fraternity for world peace and living together. In these years, we have walked together as brothers in the awareness that while respecting our individual cultures and traditions, we are called to build fraternity as a bulwark against hatred, violence, and injustice. I thank all those who have accompanied who have accompanied us on this path. His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed for his steadfast commitment in this regard. The Higher Committee of Human Fraternity for the various initiatives it has promoted in the different parts of the world and the General Assembly of the United Nations for its resolution of 21 December 2020, which makes it possible for us to celebrate today the second International Day of Human Fraternity. My gratitude also extends to all the civil and religious institutions that support this noble cause. Fraternity is one of the fundamental and universal values that ought to undergird relationships between peoples so that the suffering or disadvantaged do not feel excluded and forgotten, but accepted and supported as part of the one human family. We are brothers and sisters. In a mutual and shared spirit of fraternity, all of us must work to promote a culture of peace that encourages sustainable development, tolerance, inclusion, mutual understanding, and solidarity. We all live under the same heaven, independently of where and how we live, the color of our skin, religion, social group, sex, age, economic conditions, or our state of health. All of us are different yet equal, and this time of pandemic has shown that clearly. Let me, once, let me say once again, we are not saved alone. We all live under the same heaven, and in the name of God, we who are, his, who are his creatures must acknowledge that we are brothers and sisters. As believers from different religious traditions, we have a role to play. What is that role? To help our brothers and sisters raise their eyes and their prayers to heaven. Let us raise our eyes to heaven, because whoever worships God with a sincere heart also loves his or her neighbor. Fraternity makes us open to the Father, and all excuse me, 
Fraternity makes us open to the Father of all and enables us to see others as our brothers or sisters, to share life, to support one another, and to love and come to know others. We all live under the same heaven. Now is the fitting time to journey together, believers and all people of goodwill. Do not leave it to tomorrow or an uncertain future. Now is the fitting time to journey together, believers and all people of goodwill, together. This is a good day to extend a hand to celebrate our unity in diversity. Unity, not uniformity. Unity in diversity, in order to say to the communities and societies in which we live that the time of fraternity has arrived. All together, for it is essential to live in solidarity with one another. For this reason, I repeat, now is not a time for indifference. Either we are brothers and sisters or everything falls apart. This is not to be melodramatic. It is the truth. Either we are brothers and sisters or everything falls apart. We see this in the little wars. In the Third World War, now being fought piecemeal as peoples are destroyed, as children go hungry, as the op their opportunities for education decline. It is destruction. Either we are brothers or and sisters, or everything falls apart. This is not a time for forgetfulness. Each day we need to remember what God said to Abram, that raising up his eyes to heaven, he would see the promise of his descendants, that is, ourselves. <clears throat> and this is from the interreligious meeting at the Plain of Ur on 6 March 2021. A promise has also been fulfilled in our lives, that of a fraternity as vast and bright as the stars of heaven. Dear brothers and sisters, dear brother, grand imam, the path of fraternity is long and challenging. It is a difficult path, yet it is the anchor of salvation for humanity. Let us counter, counter the many threatening signs, times of darkness and mindsets of conflict with the sign of fraternity that, in accepting others and respecting their identity, invites them to a shared journey. Not all the same, but as brothers and sisters, each with his or her own personality, his or her uniqueness. I thank all those who act in the conviction that we can live in harmony and peace, conscious of the need for a more fraternal world, inasmuch as all of us are creatures of God, brothers and sisters. I thank all those who will join our journey of fraternity. I encourage everyone to be committed to the cause of peace and to respond concretely to the problems and needs of the least, the poor, and the defenseless. Our resolve is to walk side by side, brothers and sisters all, in order to be effective artisans of peace and justice, in the harmony of differences and with respect for the identity of each. Sisters and brothers, let us press forward on this path of fraternity. Thank you. <clears throat> well, I have to say, there's a sort of poetical nature to the way he said it. There is actually, like, no joke, there's a, a, a sort of literary grace in the way he said all of that. And that ends the good parts. Ah. <laughs> uh. Ha, 
in these years, we have walked together as brothers in the awareness that while respecting our individual cultures and traditions, we are called to build fraternity as a bulwark against hatred, violence, and injustice. We are called to build fraternity. <clears throat> Weird. I was pretty sure the call in sacred scripture was metanoiate. Repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> Fraternity is one of the fundamental and universal values that ought to undergird relationships between peoples. Weird, because Christ said he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Accepted and supported as part of one human family. The one that's definitely the UN talking point. In a mutual and shared spirit of fraternity, all of us must work to promote a culture of peace that encourages sustainable development. Whatever that means. Tolerance. Inclusion. Mutual understanding. And solidarity. different yet equal. He is right. We all live under the same heaven. That part's true. <clears throat> See, here's where it gets fun. We all live under the same heaven, and in the name of God, we who are his creatures must acknowledge that we are brothers and sisters. No. We who are his creatures must acknowledge that we are his creatures. He is the creator. <clears throat> As believers from different religions, this is actually so, no joke, this is actually so overly smitten with universalism and indifferentism that this is like, no joke, this is actually, this document would have been immediately and promptly condemned by Saint, Pope St. Pius X. In point of fact, actually, would have been promptly condemned by Pope Leo the Thirteenth, Pope Saint Pius the Tenth, Pope Pius the Eleventh, uh, Pope Benedict the Fourteenth, Pope Pius the Twelfth. <clears throat> you might have even actually gotten a bit of condemnation condemnation from Pope John Paul the Second. That's wild. Although. Um, this paragraph starts out really good. We all live under the same heaven. Now is the fitting time to journey together, believers and people of goodwill. <clears throat> and solidarity. Oh, now this is actually, okay, so. <sighs> I repeat, now is not a time for indifference. Either we are brothers and sisters or everything falls apart. Well, this is true. But, and I've said this on the podcast many times, it's, it's been a while since I've said it, so I'm going to go ahead and reiterate it, reiterate it this time. If we do not have the same mother and father, then we are not brother and sister. And if my mother is Holy Mother Church, the one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, and my father was incarnate, was incarnate, God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
author and finisher of the faith. If we do not have the same father and we do not have the same mother, then we are not brothers and sisters. And there is only one truth. And it said in that last paragraph of the, of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The one holy Catholic and apostolic church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the dead. And the life everlasting. And life everlasting. The life of the world to come. God the Father, Christ the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Either that's your Father with the one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church as your mother, or we are not brothers and sisters. That's it. Full stop. I don't want to eradicate the diversity of all peoples and cultures. And I say cultures in that more secular sense, you know, the you know, the local traditions, etc. However, either we believe in the same father, <clears throat> we gather together as part of the same mother, or we're not brothers and sisters. And fraternity is not the anchor of salvation for humanity. Third to last paragraph. The path of fraternity is long and challenging. It is a difficult path, yet it is the anchor of salvation for humanity. Let me tell you something. There is no life more difficult than that of a Catholic. There is no path more difficult than the path of the Holy Catholic faith. There is no path more challenging. And there is no path that is the anchor of salvation for humanity that is outside the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. One holy Catholic apostolic. Period. Full stop. Now, I do believe that we can live in somewhat peace. It's not going to be in harmony and peace. See, because here's the thing. Everybody likes to talk about living in harmony. Oh, yes, peace and harmony, peace and harmony. <clears throat> I'd like to point out something easy. You can't live in harmony if you guys aren't all singing the same song. If it's not the same song then you can't harmonize. If it's not music from the same composition, then you can't harmonize. It's simple. See, our Orthodox brothers, 
And as far as I'm concerned, I'm not really going to dive into all the theology of the great Western schism and all that other crap. Like I got to be honest, it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt and it's too much of a sticking point. There's so much beauty in the Easter, in the Byzantine tradition. There's so much beauty in all of the traditions, the Syro-Malabar, the Coptic. I mean, there's so much beauty, but all of those churches sing the same song. And if we can bring our actual separated brethren, the ones who were separated from us because of the because of the great schism, and get everybody under the same uh, what do they call them? The same conductor. Then the one holy Catholic and apostolic church in its fullness can sing in harmony. Right now, the problem is with the problem with the schism is that there's one conductor for the Catholic Church, and then there's like 30 conductors for the Orthodox churches. If we can get them all under the same conductor, then we can sing this, we can continue to sing the same song, but the same song with the same tempo, and we can truly harmonize. As for everybody else, I pray that they encounter what it means for metanoiate, for repentance and belief in the gospel. But if they don't, they're not my brethren. I would like them to be, but they're not. And it's not my choice, it's theirs. (laughs) I think I'm actually just going to go ahead and wrap that up right there. You can email me at radiofreecatholic at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about this. No matter how broken the teaching, until somebody actually comes out and, like, de fide defines what happens when you have a pope that goes this far off the rails, Francis is still pope. It's painful. Like I've said in previous podcasts, the fact that it's painful is the reason why I know it's true. Because it is far more painful for me to think of Francis as the vicar of Christ. I mean, it's painful for him because he doesn't even accept the title vicar of Christ. But it's far more painful for me to accept Francis as the vicar of Christ. As his holiness, the Pope. As the servant of the servants of God. The Bishop of Rome. And the pontiff, the pontiff of Holy Mother Church. And because it's harder for me to think of him as being the Pope, that's how I know the suffering that I incur from that. Every time I think about it, every time, every time I have to chew back the the venom and the vitriol, 
the anger, the condemnation, all of the things, you know, all of those things that you feel when you hear something that is so obviously blatantly gone from the Catholic faith. It would be easier for me to say he's a heretic and the see of St. Peter is vacant. And then I could just go about my business and try to piece together my faith best I can without him. Instead, I choose, because it hasn't been defined as to what exactly happens when a pope becomes a heretic, because the church hasn't announced a formal decree. There's not a de fide, ex cathedra, infallible declaration as to what exactly happens when a pope goes this far off the rails. And maybe they'll, and maybe we'll get there, because i got to be honest with you, I don't think anybody really thought that somebody would go this far off. I think Leo the Thirteenth and and Saint Pius the Tenth and Pius the Eleventh and Pius the Twelfth and Benedict the Fourteenth. I don't think they could have anticipated it. And by the time you get to John the Twenty Third, Paul the Sixth, um, <clears throat> well, I mean, John Paul the First didn't hardly have any, <laughs> didn't hardly make it. But by the time you get to them. Everybody's kind of shifting a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And Pope Benedict XVI shifts back and then you get, and then boom, Francis. But it's not like it's all the Pope's faults. Where's the correction from the cardinals? Where's the correction from the bishops? Where's the, where's the dubia? Where's all of the mechanisms that are supposed to be in the church? Where are the people who are supposed to be doing this? And why aren't they doing, why aren't they doing their job? Because if they were doing their job, then this probably could already be taken care of. If we had the bishops who look with consternation at the declarations and the teachings of Pope Francis, actually stand up and say, uh, Holy Father, that's not right. We wouldn't even be here. Of course, we might not be here if the faithful, you know, prayed, did penance, made repar. You know, you know, the things that our lady's been calling us to do for 500 years. If we actually did those things, maybe we wouldn't be here either. I mean, think about it. Our lady of the good event of the purification. Nuestra Señora del buen, de la buen, del buen Suceso de la Purificación. All the way back in, you know, all the way back, way back when, 1600s. Pray, pen, pray, do penance, make reparation. Our Lady of La Salette. Our Lady of Fatima. Our Lady of Akira. Our Lady of Cabejo. I mean, you could just kind of, Our Lady of the Resurrection. Our, like, you can go on and on and on and on. Our Lady... <clears throat> Our Lady, when she appeared as the Immaculate Conception. How many times? Enough. 1800s, I mean, you know. If we did what we were supposed to do, we wouldn't be here.
And now we got to try and chastise up? I mean, don't get me wrong. Second Vatican Council, one of the teachings did kind of put, you know, one of the instructions in the Second Vatican Council did put a heck of a lot more onus on the lay faithful to actually to actually sanctify the public spaces, as it were. There was a lot more onus put on the laity. Like, they, like I'm not even joking. I'm looking through some of the stuff as I was reading through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and it's citing the, Vatican, the Second Vatican Council's documents. And it's like, the laity have a responsibility to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that seems like a bit much. Like, the bishops, you know, 70 years ago were trying to shirk their responsibilities onto the priests and then onto the laity. So this way, you know, they could just be social workers or whatever it is that they... I mean, seriously, think about this for a moment. You know that the... It's not just your, it's not just excellency. You know, it's not like, it's not just his excellency when you're referring to a bishop. Another one of the forms of address is your grace. These aren't just princes of the church. These are dukes. For those of you who are familiar with the, for, with the forms of address for uh, nobility. These are dukes. These are kings in their own right. You know, if 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 the supreme if the supreme pontiff is the emperor, as it were, the bishops and the cardinals are dukes and kings in their own right. In fact, if you were to actually play this down as you as you work as you work its way to, as you work its way down, by the time you get to the laity, the laity actually, I mean, you you could conceivably just refer to a lay Catholic as baron. These are very very high positions in the church. Like when you become a bishop, this isn't this is no small deal. It is the responsibility of bishops and the archbishop of, of you know, the, the archbishops and the metropolitans to actually call kings into question. If you're a bishop, you're on the level with royalty, not just nobility. And they've decided to shirk that responsibility so they can be social workers, so they can be presiders. As though a president had the clout of a king. It's a shame because they shirk their responsibilities and then they leave it to the laity. And what are we supposed to do? Because canonically, we don't have the we don't have the ability to reach up and go, hey, fix it. Not in any decree, in any council, including the Second Vatican Council, do we have the ability to reach up and go, fix that. And we desperately need it because it looks like everybody's abandoned their posts. Even the good bishops. The Burks and the Stricklands. And the Schneiders. And the Brandmullers. Well, okay, less with with our, with uh, Bishop Athanasius uh, Schneider. 
But if it wasn't for retired Archbishop Archbi- uh, retired Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, would we even be getting any? Would we even be getting any protestations out of, out of out of the episcopacy? I mean, seriously. I mean, we know Supich is on board with whatever with whatever Francis does. Supich is basically the mouth of Francis in the United States, which is weird because I would have thought that would have been Archbishop Wilton Gregory because Archbishop Wilton Gregory actually has the responsibility over the entire region of the United States. But, you know, proper protocols aren't exactly these people's strong suit. There's a lot broken there. But, again, we can pray, we can fast, we can do penance, and we can make reparation. Reparations to the Holy Face, reparations to the Immaculate Heart, reparations to the Sacred Heart. We can do these things, and we should. Sooner is better than later. (laughs) Which might actually be my favorite line out of that god-awful movie, The Messenger which was supposed to be the story of Joan of Arc. <clears throat> but my favorite line out of that movie, I actually use it a lot, is sooner is better than later. And sooner would be better than later to do penance fast and make reparation. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <laughs>